this week on Waxing the Porpoise. G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve attempt to shake off their Halloween hangover with a little hair of the dog, tempered with a few chuckles and some good old-fashioned gumshoe-style investigation in the criminally underseen smacker of a whodunit, The Kid Detective from 2020. Join us as we discuss the perils of overinflating your child's ego, self-pity, and grappling with the idea of who you are in your head versus who you are in the world. I've solved over 200 mysteries. The Porpoises, Midnight Companions and Keen Observers on the Path of Redemption, endeavor to overcome the tragic hero's Hamardia in this kind of dark comedy, neo-noir, kid on bike, crossed with Encyclopedia Brown for adults, all while attempting to dissect the cleverly woven narrative, unearthing its twisted charm, culminating in a multiple twist conclusion that had even our porpoise pals scratching their fins in odd amusement. No, Dewey, you don't want this. Get out of here! Let's wax this snooping porpoise. Chase, don't do that. You see, we, we're working on his brow chakra. We're just in back of the crown chakra. Because they like it, but because it's part of their identity, like, oh no, I'm a whiskey guy. I've gravitated more towards whiskey as I've gotten older, but that's only because vodka makes me black out. Like something about vodka, it, it's just like a runaway train. Weird. It's like a quarter in the jukebox kind of deal. And yeah. tequila, <clears throat> I don't know if it's psychosomatic or like, like I have it in my head, so it's a self fulfilling prophecy. But like tequila, I've had bad experiences with like i feel like it 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 hurts my tummy a little bit more it makes me want to fucking ralph like really whereas with whiskey like i can i can pace and it's it's not gonna overtake me i guess it's funny because i'm i'm a vodka guy for sure tequila just the smell of it makes me want to fucking puke and like once every once every like six months i'll just try a sniff to see if the bitch inside me has left and i'll just take a little sniff like no not yet and but whiskey when i did drink whiskey that would make me like i know it's a cliche that it makes you like want to fight or be aggressive but it it made me like really spicy you know (laughs) that's how i'm with the gin gin gets me like aggro and revved yeah gin i feel like gin is underrated yeah, it is. It's a good mixer. Yeah, like it's I mean, good everybody with a loves drink. vodka because it's like, you know, according to Ron Swanson, it's what rich white women on diets drink. But, you know, uh, gin <laughs> is just like it's it's slightly saucier little cousin. Yeah, I've always said uh, I had I had it once and I was like, it was like a revelation in the early college years when I was drinking, I had, I, I didn't have anything else to chase it with. And we had somebody brought over a bottle of, uh, Bombay Sapphire. No, nah, Bombay. And, um, uh, had lemon lime Gatorade. And that was a really good fuck. Cause it's got like that citrus kind of yeah. dude. It was like the great equalizer. It like, it, it like almost wiped out the shot completely. I bet. But yeah, that sounds like a dangerous combo. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, the lead singer of Deftones uh, was a big vodka guy, and his really? drink of choice was vodka and Gatorade. 
and his tagline was like, it rejuvenates while it dehydrates. <laughs> what did you score on your maximum sleep evaluation? 70. <laughs> 40. I'm not going to hurt you, son. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I think about that all the time. Just... Dude, I do too. And I love it. It's so good. <laughs> uh... I'm going to kill you, son. I'm a policeman. I need to shorten it just so I'm a policeman. Just drop that every now and again. Can you see, look how uh, Brittany has a couple friends over, which is fine. Not a oh, fan. Oh, is it fine? <laughs> <laughs> she's just chilling in here. Like, as soon as they came in, she's like, I don't like you. Goodbye. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go hang out with Dad. I'm podcasting with Dad. I went minimalistic on my notes this time and just tried to engage more with the movie. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, I do have one really funny clip that I want to share with you right off the good foot here. Let's see. So you were telling me about that. Um, that what's that Tim Robinson? I think you should leave. Yeah. Is that his name? Tim Robinson or is it Tim Anderson? I get it mixed up. I think it's Robinson. Tim Robinson's not in this clip, but it's um, the fuck is his name? Who plays Who's the guy? I'm thinking of. You're thinking of um, the guy who played uh, the ladies' man. Why yes. can't I think of his name right now? Because in my mind, it's Tim Robbins. Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows. How did I forget that name? That's so wild. Anyway, yeah, Meadows is he was he's always been underrated. I feel he hasn't got like when he you like want... has a moment. To like shine, like you fucked Dewey Cox. Oh yeah, so good in that. You don't want any part of this shit, Dewey. It's the cheapest drug there is. It's not addictive. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and you never pay for drugs, Dewey. Not once. Not once. All right, so this is a clip from I think you should leave. That fucking I don't know. It's really obscure and like like uh, abstract kind of. Uh, humor, but it something about him, it, Meadows doing this fucking killed me. This is easily the funniest scene in the new season of I Think You Should Leave. Grab a prop, grab a pop, do something silly. Okay, grab a prop, grab a prop. Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. And remember, big smiles and three, two, one. <laughs> God damn it, that's not enough time! <laughs> Three seconds of thinking something silly that's fucking insane! That's not enough time! Oh my god, I blinked, okay? I gave him a fucking purple feather! What the fuck am I supposed to do with a purple feather? I love this part. You could be a flapper? Oh, what? Like, <laughs> a dancer? Fuck! I could have been burning! How? Could have been like Barney's hair. Hey, look at me on Barney like Barney's hair. Would you shut the fuck up? He's like a cloth. Cloth is hair, just little tiny hair. Even his mouth has little hair. I mean, he's cloth. Cloth is just little hair. <laughs> I said he never done silly. <laughs> oh Dude, that's, fuck! That's just Dude. a good show. Ah, oh, that killed me. The the flapper. Oh what, dude! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, something about that part in particular, like really, 
fucking sent me but like the initial like when he just like goes what i was like the first time i watched it i was like what the fuck is this oh god yeah that fucking killed me um there's a yeah that that show is rad um i watched a couple more segments uh yesterday and i I was really digging it um It, it took me a minute to get over like oh my god this is so over the top yeah but then once you kind of i don't know it's like you tune into like that particular wavelength then it just fucking it kills me yeah it's (laughs) like that that fucking magic eye once you see it and you can hone in you're on the same vibration dude there's this there's this guy that i know uh who played in that tournament i played in a couple weeks ago super super nice guy um and he's just such a fucking goofball (laughs) Um, we were playing on the same hole together and he had like a hundred yard shot in and he fucking dunks it for an eagle. And I look over and he's got a lollipop in his mouth, like holding, (laughs) holding his finish with a fucking lollipop still in his mouth. It's like, what? You are just sick. It was awesome. Oh, that's great. Oh man. Dude. (laughs) This one is so dope. I love All right, this one. Last one, because this is going to take us down the rabbit hole. Yeah, it really will. Let I'm. I think this guy has a lipper in. Do you think this guy has a lip in? It looks like it in the thumbnail, but in the clip too, I think it is. I think he's spitting I'm into a, a big gum, sir. Yeah, <laughs> tuck that in, and get it caught on a tripwire. Uh, it and it looks like he's spitting into a can here too. Tell me if I'm wrong, but this is. I mean, even in the thumb, the thumbnail looks like he's definitely got one. Yeah. And if okay. and if he's an LSU fan, you know he's southern trash. <laughs> Here we go. Last one. La, la, oh yeah. La, la, wait till I get my money right. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven. <laughs> I watched this like nine fucking times in a row. Just, he's just blitzed like he's just as surprised, but he's like, yup. Well, he looks like he looks like the perfect mix of hammered and also like the kid in Sandlot, where he just puts his hand up and like a no look. Yeah, it doesn't even look like he's looking at the ball. No, he just like shot his hand up. Like, I guarantee that guy played baseball in college. Oh man, guaranteed. Oh fuck. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Welcome back uh, to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, we are back. We're on episode eighty-one now, coming off our Halloween hangover, fresh off our run of eight horror films. Uh, so we're kind of now we're just anything under the sun. Get over that that spooky hangover. Uh, this will be released post uh, Halloween. So hope you all had a, a happy Halloween, safe holiday. This evening we're talking about a film called. The Kid Detective from 2020. You got myself, Jim G. Baby. You could be a flapper. Oh, what? And to my <laughs> virtual right, uh, we have the usual suspect, Steve. Three seconds of making something silly that's fucking insane! That's not enough time! It's not enough time. How's it going, man? Doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. Have you dipped into anything... Have you have you thought to like? Oh, I want to watch something scary or like uh, any anything horror related, anything topical. There's that Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix um, right now. 
by the guy who did Midnight Mass. Fucking strong wreck. I haven't really. Maybe it's just because we've been watching so much horror stuff. I think I told you, I think the last extracurricular horror movie I watched was Hereditary a few weeks or months ago. Um, But uh, yeah, other than that, no, I haven't really. I mean, to be honest, horror is not my usual go-to. Yeah. Um, so I enjoy watching them to talk about on the show, but no, usually it's like comedy or some corny action movie or sports or something. Right on. Yeah. And, yeah, and the, like... old, the old lady will occasionally go through spurts of like, let's watch something scary. And then we do. And she's like, you have to sit in the bathroom with me while I shower now. So <laughs> I'm always a little, a little cautious when she's like, yeah, we should watch this. And I'm like, this is going to fuck with you for weeks. Yeah. yeah. Kelsey was like that for a while, and now it's like it's just like a no fly zone. Is like anything possession, spooky children, uh, like haunted house type stuff. She's just like, nope, won't do it anymore with you. She, I tried to get her. The last one was Hill House, which is pretty fucking scary. It's have yeah, you seen the, that one? The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, yeah, that's that's spun her out. The fucking bent neck lady. Oh, I think, yeah, I think that was right. like the final straw. Yeah. Once you realized I'm not as uh, into scary stuff as I think it might be. Dude, it's so good. She got, it was the first episode, if you can remember way back at the end of that episode, the brother who's like the skeptic kind of guy, but he he's also the one who cashed in. Like, he's like kind of like a, he's kind of a slime ball because he cashed in on like the, um, the cachet and like the 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 story of Hill House, you know, and he wrote like horror books and shit. He he has he has an experience with one of his ghosts, like his dead sister, the 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 one that brings them all together. I think her name's Nell, maybe. Is She's the, the bent neck lady. Is that the scene in the um, funeral home? No, that's a, no. that's like season or episode six or seven. No, it's oh, like okay. he goes back home to his apartment. And sees her like in his kitchen in his apartment. And she's fucking all ghosty and f- like opens her mouth real wide and get it gets freaky. She Kelsey was just like, nope, I'm done, not doing it. I'm like, what? I was like, this is it's like the character. But then she watched later on. She watched. She gave Midnight Mass a shot and she stuck through it all the way. She's like, that's the best shit I've ever seen. Like, that's like the best TV. Like the character character building, the writing, like. And it is. I think Midnight Mass would be right. I know you're not a Catholic, but it's like a pretty religious um, film uh, series. Or not religious. It has religious themes. Um, I'm going to write that down so I don't forget because I know we've talked it, about that before. It is so good. Like the uh, spooky stuff aside, like just like the character stuff that's going on, the arcs, they're, it's, it's really good. I think you'd like it. And it, it's um, a movie? It's not a TV show? No, it's a show. It's okay. like uh it's the same as like Hill House. It's either like seven or nine hour long episodes each. Is it uh like an HBO joint Netf- or something? Netflix joint. Netflix. Okay. All right. Well I now have yeah. it written down. So have you seen the new Exorcist? I've only heard bad things. I did and I don't I'm in the camp where I don't think it's so bad. Like okay. how people are loving the rail on it. But I also like it didn't like Oh, that was dope. Like it didn't get me to that point. So right. I'd say average. I was kind of right down the middle on it. All right. Yeah, I haven't seen anything that's too 
too positive. So it just felt kind of, I mean, for someone who's more into horror, I think I'm great. I, I think someone less into horror like you might like it a little bit more. Really? And okay. it's, it's got the religious aspect to it. And like, so there's some interesting places they go <clears throat> and they involve different religions. And, but like for me, I, I, it felt too vanilla at the end of the day, like reviving other people have said it too. So like, you know, reviving something as sem- like, as you know, groundbreaking at the time when it came out freak, it's like the scariest movie ever. And people throwing up in the fucking theater and being rushed to the hospital and parents for decades telling them like, if you watch this, you'll go to hell or like, this is, yeah. this is real shit. Um, I don't think it took enough chances. Like, I don't think it had to go, like, shot for shot for, like, shock value to, like, be like, oh, see how crazy we can make it. But I I feel like they should have swung a little bit harder for something like that to bring it back. Or or else why make a different movie and call it not The Exorcist. I saw one clip somebody put online where somebody was asking her, um, the main gal, like, why why didn't father whatever and brother whatever why didn't they allow you to be a part of the thing and she's like because of the patriarchy like oh boy that just gives me chills and like didn't those two guys like die trying to help her (laughs) yeah and that at the end of the day they don't even explore that so that's just a throwaway soundbite in the movie funny like they they don't go anywhere else with that it's very like inclusive they bring different religions in like like, I don't want to spoil it, but, um, like the pastor dude is not the one who is the hero. Like he, hmm. he isn't the one that's, you know, that the focus is how, whereas the first exorcist, you know, you're following father Karras, uh, like the whole time. So, um, yeah, now it's just a scientist who's like, actually, uh, this is, this can all be explained through uh blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. It's crap. Um, so let's get into, I feel like yeah. we're, we're not doing this film justice. Let's get into uh, the kid detective. Uh, this came out during the pandemic, kind of flew under the radar. It's an indie film. I think it was, in, it was filmed entirely in Canada. Didn't get a wide release. It did premiere at the, I think it's called, it's TIFF, T-I-F-F, the Toronto International Film Festival, which I think in recent years has become, it's got, it's got some, uh, some riz on it like it's it's uh people want to go <laughs> you want to get invited to go there you know you want to get your film screened there the same along the lines as like um like sundance film festival and like Cannes and a couple of these other film festivals that can get potential distribution eyes on it and like create some buzz um but anyway, it was uh, nominated for a few awards, but yeah, it kind of, it really flew under the radar. I just saw, I, I follow a, a YouTube channel called Red Letter Media and they, <clears throat> they do pretty much everything. They do a lot of schlock and horror stuff, but like they'll do anything under the sun. And they touched on this. They did like a little mini, mini sewed, like 10 minutes talking about it. So I, I watched the trailer and I was like, Kelsey, let's, we should check this out. And we did. And we both really liked it a lot. I saw this, I think last year or the year before. Um, had you heard about this or seen this at all? Nope. Not before. Not even a whisper. What'd you think? I loved it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, it, it It's a funny, 
funny set of circumstances where uh, I tried stream because it's not on any of the main streaming sites right now. So I tried going to you know movie.virus.com to yeah to watch it, and my shit was glitching out after two and a half minutes. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just going to spend the four dollars and rent it." On, oh, nice on Amazon. Um, and I would say that if you watch it and you don't like it. Send us some hate mail and maybe we'll send you four dollars because I don't see how anybody could dislike this movie. But what's but what's funny about <laughs> that rental is you get forty eight hours to watch it once you start it. And so I was trying to think, fuck, my old lady's gonna love this too, but her schedule's kind of weird. So uh, I watched it in the morning and I was like, the only time she's gonna have to be able to watch it in the next forty eight hours is like tonight. So. I told her like you just watch it tonight and uh, I'll I'll do something else don't worry about it. And I started watching it with her and just ended yeah. up watching the entire thing. <laughs> uh which I, I I can't remember the last time if ever I've watched the same movie twice just a few that hours closely? apart. Wow. Yeah, it, but I'm glad I did though cuz you there's a couple things you pick up on during the second watch. So yeah, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. So did she. I don't know this. Uh, I don't know this Adam Brody guy from anything other than I know he was on the OC. I never watched it, but uh, I thought he did a great job. And especially considering th- this movie has two very different and distinct kind of vibes to it. You know, it's like a, a comedy for eighty five percent, and then it gets super dark and serious. And I was I was trying to think if there was another comedic actor like an Andy Samberg, could I buy him making that shift from silly guy to super serious guy? And I don't I don't I think it's a lot harder than people might think. Yeah, I thought this dude did a great job. I mean, I believed it the entire time. Like you kind of have to play like for this role, you kind of have to have like a certain kind of stoic expression on your face, or else I think that probably went for my enjoyment of Adam Brody's uh, performance too, but I saw it achieved the almost impossible feat of getting a 7.0 on IMDb. So must be pretty damn good. Yeah. Pretty respectable. Did you check the rotten tomatoes on this? I didn't. Yeah, it was 84 with the critics, 77 with the people. I feel like I'm just oh. beating a dead horse because I'm su- I'm surprised every week. <laughs> yeah. you know, I would have expected the, the people to be a little higher than the critics, but I mean, who knows? Yeah, I could see this being a critical darling a little bit more. I, I, I guess I would expect more people to like it than 77, though. It feels like it feels like it'd be worthy of being in the 80s or that's where I thought it would be, too. But that's still super respectable yeah one one thing it made me think of because you and i i think have this shared experience from when we used to work together but at the beginning of this movie when it's talking about him as like a precocious kid and doing that whole thing (laughs) i was getting a little irritated because i hate kids kids in general but in specific like the very precocious kids that People are always like, yeah, yeah, buddy, you're doing great when yeah. <laughs> just giving them this inflated sense of ego. And I did think it was funny how they were they were purposefully like showing uh, 
instances where he's like, yeah, I was really good at picking things out. And it's like, well, yeah, it was fucking obvious. The, the things that yeah. he's looking at, like, <laughs> she's going to poison him. And, and his parents are just looking at each other like, no shit. Why did we ever yeah. have kids? But it reminded me of um, when, when you and I used to work together, we would occasionally have to sit and suffer through these endless meetings that had no point at all other than to just waste time and make your day go longer. And every once in a while, the woman who was running the HR department would play these clips from a kid that was called Kid President. Do you remember this? Oh, God. Yes. Uh, man, I had I, I had successfully erased that from my mind. So I, I don't know how old this kid was, like eight or nine, maybe ten. Yeah. He he would put out these YouTube videos or his parents would force him to do it. Um, yeah. And he's like wearing a suit. And the, the messages of these videos were so like insultingly reductive and just full of like idiotic platitudes that they would roll out as like, hey, <laughs> this is really inspirational stuff. You guys should take take note. And it's the kid like, you know, we're all just people. and. If you just yeah. show the love in the world, then then somebody else will feel that love and then they'll show it to somebody else. It's like you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. You don't live in the real world. You're nine years old. Good luck going over to uh, Israel and telling the folks over there like, hey, why don't you just spread love? I just found it to be like super insulting and childish. Yeah. All these like you said, all these platitudes, it's like, and he's eight or nine. It's like, this isn't helping anyone just being like broadly generic peace, love statements. Like, yeah. Like, dude. Yeah. Do you feel better now? Cause you've done nothing. Yeah. So he does have that kind of way about him or he does have that way about him for sure. And it, I, I think it's kind of, uh, like the way they introduce him and like all the little things, like he solved this case. And so by helping out the, the ice cream guy, so he got free ice cream <laughs> yeah. for life. And I love how they pay it back because then they, it's kind of like a wry twist how like when it, it jumps 20 years later and then he's still going in for his free yeah. fucking scoop. <laughs> and that same ice cream man who's like 70 now, he like looks at him. He's like, Hey, and he's like, uh, fucking hands and you can tell he feels like shit but he's like not enough to pass up the fact that i got free ice cream here yeah. you know like butter pecan so, please it's so sad like god um yeah I, I this kid who plays him like it it it's perfect like he's like real snappy and like to and self-assured of himself you know and like and then at, at, when it's showing that, it's kind of like Wonder Years, you know? It's like his grown-up self narrating it. I thought that was kind of fun because yeah. he, like when he's, one at one point, he's like, um, sometimes I'd lay awake all night wondering, am I the smartest person in the world? Like, <laughs> shit like that. I was like, dude, that's so fucking funny. Um, but I guess to, before we get too far into this, spoiler alert. Uh, if you haven't seen this, I, I highly suggest going into it fresh and, and not listening, but, um, yeah, so, go spend $4. It's worth it. Yeah. Highly recommend. If uh, not, Jim will Venmo you $4. Yeah. But you, it has to be accompanied by a hateful email to us. So, yes. um, so the, I guess just the crux in a nutshell. So we have this kid who's like, 
like your your standard precocious overachieving but he he also he has this funny shtick to where he's he becomes like the kid detective of this little quaint idyllic town because he, he you know he solves a mystery he's into mysteries they show him you know watching with his parents and so he starts like you know taking on cases like and it's and it's got kind of like a, a montage kind of thing while he's narrating like you know oh i solved the the incident of this and like it shows the boy coming to his office and it's a real quick you know like uh i lost my baseball card at this place or whatever he's like where did you last see it and like you know he solves these little mini mysteries so it sets it up almost like and i was wanted to ask it reminded me of have you ever seen encyclopedia brown or know what that um, is yeah I, I must have when i was a kid is that like kind of like a hardy boys style thing yeah something like and that yeah, it was a little kid that wore like a fucking sport coat and a baseball oh, hat. Oh yes, and I do like remember this now. Seven, eight, nine, ten, and he had a he had a clubhouse, he had a treehouse, and he had like this like this chick that he was sweet on that was like a foot taller than him, who was like his enforcer, and she would go along with him on his little cases. I don't remember that, but yeah, I do. I do have a vague memory of Encyclopedia Brand. And he's like super smart and like, you know, he, he's, he's solving, it becomes like a, a mystery or like something that's gone on in the town. Like someone stole the time capsule from the fucking, the history museum. I mean, this, this really should also be a cautionary tale against <laughs> like giving your kids too much of an inflated sense of confidence that's unearned yeah. because yeah. I mean, it could go no other way. If you're constantly telling your kid, like you're the smartest, you're the greatest, you're the best kid ever. Yep. When when they go into the real world and they realize like oh no that's not the case now they're gonna have a fucking identity crisis and right turn into this. because there's I mean, always a bigger fish like no matter where you go there's always gonna be like someone who's done that this much better you know like it's like you, yeah that that ego stroke from a young age and like goes along with like coddling like along those lines it's like you're only yeah, setting them you're up making for it failure. worse. Yeah. Yeah, you, you think you're helping the kid, but you're you're basically just feeding him junk food. There's no nutrition there, but yeah, that's our that's our parenting tip for the week. Don't do that. <laughs> anyway, I brought up Encyclopedia Brown because I was like, dude, this like fits that mold like perfectly. Like that's who this kid is, you know? And and then they take it like what happens when Encyclopedia Brown grows up, you know? Yeah. And like <laughs> he's he's making pennies and like quarters and shit still cases, you know, like um, but I, I like the intro, like it, it was like a fun, it's feels kind of lighthearted, but then it's, it's kind of peppered in with some dark, with some rye elements. And then, yeah, like at the end, it does take a, a really hard turn, but I like the build to that and like the kind of softening you up for that. Yeah. So at the very beginning, um, you know, he's solving all these little bullshit, non mysteries. And then his childhood friend goes missing, and that's like a big, you know, kick yes. in his dick because he can't do anything about it because he's not a real detective. Um, yeah, he's on the phone. He's like, Constable Cleary won't return my calls. It's because <laughs> it's a murder case, kid, you fucko. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and yeah, he see, says it later. He's like, how would that look, a fucking police chief t getting intel from a 12-year-old kid? Like, yeah. Yeah, so you get a little, a little taste of the darkness, and then flash forward to when he's an adult 
I was I was curious if because when he meets Caroline, who's his <clears throat> current client, I was wondering if are are they going to somehow try to connect this back um, to Gracie? But I was like, no, nah, that seems too much. I, what I thought they were going to do is just use her as like a proxy for. I wasn't able to help Gracie, so I'm going to do everything I can to help this girl. Yeah, I'm going to chill so, it through. Yeah. So when they did loop it back, I was like, oh, cool. Nice work. Because I thought that might be a little too tough to draw a bridge between those two. But Yeah, I I wasn't thinking about that the first time I saw it. I just thought, this has to come back somehow, right. I would assume. But I didn't know it was necessarily going to be tied to this Caroline gal who becomes a much one of the focal points of the story but um yeah so we fast forward i think it's 20 years yes. i inferred because he said yep. he's 12 and like at one point he says he's 32 now so yep. um he's living on his own and it, it's funny because he so he used to operate in a treehouse and then he saw he's solving all these mysteries he gets like the key to the city and they set him up this little kid with like in at city hall he's got his own like little office for investigations and so he's still at that he's <laughs> 20 years later and um he's he's not doing well he's kind of like ah man i wonder if it's like the ice cream thing where they're like we'll give you a spot for life and he's like i'm not leaving yeah i was just thinking that or they like they froze like the rent like they made like okay you only have to pay like a 100 bucks a month you know forever and he's just milking the shit out of that um yeah it's like it's kind of depressing like right off the bat because like he gets up and his mom calls him and it's like nine or ten or something yeah (laughs) have you been up or you sound sleepy and he's like oh yeah i've been up yeah and he's like rolling out of bed and his mom and dad and he's 32 and his mom and dad are bringing him groceries at the beginning they're like we brought you some groceries and he's like ah thanks and he has to like interact with them fuck do you recognize his mom I do recognize her, but I can't place her. It's the, she's the wife in Air Force One. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have remembered her from that. I'm thinking of something like more like a holiday movie or something, but she looks familiar. And then they're asking him like, you got any big cases? He's like, yeah, a guy hired me to find out if this other guy was gay or not. <laughs> yes, and they pay. I love how they pay that yeah. bit off later. <laughs> and she, well, and she's such a sweetheart. She's like, "Well, was he?" And he's like, "Yeah, a little, or yeah, kind of." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the level that that he's at. He's still doing the same kind of like chicken Looking shit for cats. Yeah. The what is it like the. uh the the widow something the widow whoever's here she lost her cat again like it's like damn so uh and he he doesn't have a car <laughs> like he's just yeah he, he relies on this like 16 year old but um i also like to in the montage there was one like like a sprinkling of that darkness when it's doing the montage of showing all these cases like him building his reputation as his kid one of the kids comes in and he's like, Hey, I found like, they're all like just really infantile, like juvenile shit, like a baseball card or fucking this person stole my fucking lunch money. This guy's, this kid comes in and he's like, Hey, I found blood on my dad's car. He's like, you sure you want me to take this one? And then the next shot is that kid. (laughs) 
like up in his second story window looking down and the cops are there and they're hauling the dad away like he's yeah. into some deep shit like <laughs> i loved that like it's just inserted right in this like candy coated like little <laughs> montage but um so getting us going into this story the here and now um uh there is uh, a murder of this gal caroline it was her boyfriend he was murdered like a week week prior they found him in the the town river or creek or something um and so he's like oh shit like this is my this is my shot you know because the last time there was a disappearance or something like of real substance he got pushed out of the frame because he was 12 and then he, so now he thinks he can do something about it and you get the impression that he's he is trying to like make up for that sin or that you know inability to help um and so that's what kind of starts it out uh (laughs) i love also uh at at one point in the montage they're like oh I, i did this or whatever and uh or no it was the um what was rory beans so this is like his arch nemesis and this is like his biggest, his big case that gave him like the key to the city. And like, uh, he's all, I was invited to play drums for the local band shark water <laughs> at the annual fall barbecue. I like that. Um, but it's like, it was like the, uh, donation money for like the animal rescue or something. Yeah. I think it was one of his first cases where the principal said somebody stole money from the animal rescue fundraiser and, he just erroneously pointed to that kid and then he's like, found- well, this, he's, he's like, Rory beans got bit by a dog last year. Like <laughs> yeah, rock, rock solid logic. Uh, yeah. So he gets pinned for it and that's like his big case. And they, they pay that off too later on uh, pretty well. I thought. Um, so, yeah. So, so Caroline comes to the office to help or to, get his help in solving the murder. And then uh, I think the first place they go to is I didn't write down the guy's name, but the butcher's kid. And uh, they're asking him for help in the alley. And he's like, who's this guy? I'm not helping you or whatever. And that's when he's yes. like, he's like, yeah, well, your dad's gay. So <laughs> yeah, dude, you're not doing it justice. They said, he says something and hey, we're looking around and we heard he might be in, into this or whatever. And then that, that kid's just like, this guy has no idea what he's oh, doing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then he's like, yeah, well, your dad's gay, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, because when they first pull in, he's like, oh, I did a job for a guy here just the other day, or I was here the other day for a job. Yeah, I really butchered that. Yeah, he, I think he said something, too. He's like, he's like, we know he was into something. Drugs, they're more popular than cookies at that high school. And, that, <laughs> and it's this high school kid now talking to a 32-year-old, and he's like... <laughs> This guy's a joke. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> yeah, well, your dad's gay, so. And just the way he delivers it, just like defeated. Like everything yeah. he does, I feel <laughs> like in this movie is in a defeated kind of state. Broken. Well, I'm trying to remember. He said something to Caroline, like, be cool. Like, don't tell him I know I was here or something like that. And then, And then he lets that go. Right. And she's like, what was that about? Like, I don't know. I thought that, I thought there was something where. Fuck, I don't know. I didn't, I might pick, be, I didn't I, pick I might that be confusing out. that with a, a different scene, but he's like, just be, uh, be cool. Don't mention that 
I was working on a case over here or something. And then, then oh yeah, like, the first thing he says is like, oh yeah, I was just working a case. Yeah, <laughs> like he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's like nervous and just firing from the hip. So then they go yeah. over to Calvin, the other the other friend, the fat God. friend. Which there's such a funny line later where I think he's talking to the principal, and he's uh, the principal is talking about. Well, I talked to one of his friends around the time he went missing. He's like, was he tall and ugly or portly and pathetic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, he was a little bit heavier. <laughs> like, <laughs> portly Yeah, so pathetic. then they're going over and they talk to Calvin, the portly and pathetic kid. And they're trying to elicit, like, was he getting into trouble? Was he into anything bad? And he's like, he was impatient with disabled people. Um <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts talking about the girl he's cheating with like and then he does the like whisper thing like she put his hand. penis yeah <laughs> and he's like okay anything else and then like yeah so calvin's awesome and that's when <laughs> that's when he uh before they talk to him he cracks the window and she's yeah. like what are you doing and he's like Oh, it's an old trick in case we ever need to break back in. You, you crack a window. Yep. I and love he, how that turns out, too. <laughs> yeah, he occasionally drops these little nuggets of quasi-investigative wisdom. Yeah, like dime store psychology. Yeah, exactly. Like, I read a really old, dumb book about this one time, but... um, <clears throat> one, th- one scene, I think, too, it takes place somewhere in here is um he goes over to his folks house for dinner like family dinner night and his brother is there and his (laughs) fucking sister-in-law and their two shithead kids and it's an it's just like one of those awkward like it it reminded me of like you know stepbrothers these two man children and fucking Derek and the families you know there and it's like elephant in the room like this fucking guy i love the brother getting like a little barb in at him at some point in the because there it comes up like you know like whoa what's going on any cases or whatever and uh the brother's like how's the sleuthing (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that whole that like blow up he's like so he has a little bit of like he wants to share because he just came across this murder case and it's like, it's going to potentially legitimize him, you know? So it's like, yeah, I'm actually working on a murder case, you know, and like this and that. And, um, the dad kind of starts bowing up against him a little bit and they, they have a little verbal spatter. And he said, he's like, who do you think you are? And he's like, I'm Abe Applebaum. I, I fucking got a key to the city. And he's like freaking out, you know? And then he's like, but this is a murder case. You know, you have no experience with this. And he's like, I've solved over 200 mysteries. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <he> said, mysteries. <laughs> oh, that shit fucking killed me. It's just like, it goes back to that kind of precocious nature, like that you, that you spoke on. Like it's, it's that, that com- it's comes out in these little bursts, you know, when he's trying to like justify his, existence because that's what he identifies as is this kid detective who never grew up but um yeah that like all the interactions with the parents are pretty uh like cringe worthy kind of and then later on when he's driving around caroline's caroline becomes his like de facto chauffeur because he has like no car or anything so she's like 
on this case with him, basically. In, but, a, in uh, a suite. I don't know if that's a LeBaron. I don't think so. It's, I want to say that's like a DeVille or shit. Maybe it is a LeBaron, but it's, well, yeah, it's, it's a, definitely it's a Chrysler those, for sure. And yeah. So I, I think it's a LeBaron. Okay. Yeah, it is clean. It's like a light gold, like a like a white gold. It's it's pretty fucking. Uh, it's weird that that girl is driving it <laughs> at sixteen. Like, yeah, has this, has this car just been? Well, I guess it makes sense because she lives with her quote unquote grandparents. It's definitely grandma. a grandma car. Yeah, like grandma got her license pulled, and she has this pristine LeBaron that's been garaged for. 42 years or yeah <laughs> and it's got like thirty-two thousand miles on it yeah exactly but yeah there's that scene where like she's like that car's been following us and then he's like oh well let's find out you know and then they start and the car just is to, following just to, to back up real quick because i do love this this part but uh yeah please do because I, I know at this point i'm forgetting some stuff the sister-in-law was being so sweet like wow that's oh, really yeah. great and she and he's like <laughs> You're being unintentionally condescending. Please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> he feels like bad because that's his only supporter. <laughs> yes. She was trying to be so sweet. And he's like, do not do that. I need everybody to be mean to me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but when they find... <laughs> this was also one of my favorite scenes with his parents who are seemingly very nice people. They're following him. He goes back to confront him. And the mom was like bitching at the dad. Why didn't you back up? And the dad's like, oh, fuck. I wrote it down because it was so funny. He's like, why would I back up? <laughs> I don't know why that just tickled me so much. Like, that's not going to do anything. That that makes me think of uh, my autism spikes right to uh, the breakup with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. Uh-huh. She's like, I want... I want you, I want to, you to want, want to, do, to do, do the dishes. Why would Why I would want I? to do dishes? <laughs> like, yes, that's like the perfect distillation. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, his parents are are very well well meaning, and the mom's super sweet. The dad's kind of like, "All right, buddy, cut the fucking shit." Like, he's not as like the way the mom is. Like, Ooh. yeah, but. Uh, is it right around this point where there's think, a couple things that happen? Yeah, so they go to the high school to find the the picture to corroborate the Calvin story about the naked naked picture in the locker. Don't right. find it. Cop already got there. They go to her locker. They find his jacket and the drugs. And so yes. then they go to talk to the drug dealers who are hilarious, weird vampire children. Yeah. <laughs> The, yeah, the, so, the front of the front of the guy that looks just like the dude from My Chemical Romance. <laughs> like, oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Only fourteen. Yeah. So then they trade him the pills for information. They send him to the candy shop. That's fake information. They come back, and one of one of my favorite things in the world, or at least in the world of film, I'll say, is when adults <laughs> beat the shit out of kids, like in uh, Bad Santa. I, yeah. That's one of nice my favorite <laughs> scenes in all in all of cinematography. So yeah, he comes back, he starts beating the shit out of the kid, and at some point he stops and he's like, These pills are awesome. <laughs> yeah, because he takes one 
to like test its authenticity of like, is it actually drugs or is it fucking Excedrin? And then, yeah. And then he comes up back with a full head of fucking steam. He's like doing that fast walk. Like, and he does like (laughs) a chest punch, like open hand slap and like kicks him in the ass, boots him over a log, you know, like (laughs) definitely going overboard on a 13 year old, a 32 year old man, like a 14 year old kid. And then in the end, he just throws him in the Creek. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that part is crazy. He's like, what are you doing with these? He's like, yeah, these are fucking great. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then, then they go to the bar because that's where the source actually comes from. And then he totally bitches out. Room. And he's yeah. like, I want to talk to you about, uh, I can't remember the kid's name. And he's like, no. Yeah. Like, okay. And then he goes Dude, out. He wasn't there. Oh. That whole setup is awesome because they play it so hard. Like he gets out of the car and it's like one of those shots where it's like angled where you're like looking at like action guy, like striding in to get some information and then it goes in and then he talks to like the fucking the bouncer and he's like, he's like, I'm here to see Rory beans or whatever uh, about Patrick Chung, the disappearance of Patrick Chung. And then he's like, and he holds him up like, whoa, wait. And he's like, because he's, it's that stupid peanut allergy thing. I don't think I touched on it at the beginning, at the beginning, but this dude who's like this big meathead who kicks the shit out of him all the time, he has like a peanut allergy. So he's very, like, he has it posted on his, the outside wait, of that's his. A, that's the same guy. That's Rory Beans. I don't think I picked up on that. I'm pretty sure it is. I thought it was a different guy. Maybe it is a different guy now that I think about it. But, but I, anyway, I did, he's like the town, of- like, tough guy I, I did think the peanut allergy thing was gonna come back later yeah. on like fuck this guy i'm gonna i'm gonna sneak in this candy bar without him yeah dying, but... <laughs> but yeah anyway he like brazes him and he's like whoa where do you think you're going and he's he sees he's got like a candy bar that has peanuts <laughs> and he's like can't let you in anything with a peanut allergy or whatever and then they lets him in and it, it's this long shot down to like this fucking basement in this this biker bar where the, the real business is happening and he walks in and he's like, I'm going to talk to you. I need to talk to you about Patrick Chung. He's like, no. He's like, fair enough. And then he walks back out and he tells Caroline, he's like, oh yeah, he wasn't there. Um, <clears throat> moving on. Uh, I think somewhere around like, here. The drugs are wearing off, huh? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's visually, Yeah. He's come back. I think at this point, or maybe just before around here, she's like, well, shouldn't we go to like talk to the parents and try to get some info? And he begrudgingly does that. And then we get a little bit more info. Um, and then he, one of his dime store thing, he's like, he's like, uh, has he been eating fruit, more fruit lately or whatever? And like, yeah. the mom's like, he usually liked peaches a lot. And then he's like, but I did notice in the last two weeks before he went missing or was murdered, he was eating a lot of bananas. He's like, your son was depressed. Like, (laughs) bananas are dry. You don't have to wash them. You don't. It's like this is apropos of nothing. (laughs) Well, yeah, and the the dad, the the first time I watched it, I thought, okay, maybe the dad's just in denial that his kid's depressed or doing drugs because every teenager is depressed and doing drugs. But then the second watch, it's like, no, this guy clearly knows his kid. And yeah. it's like, 
who told you that? Oh, you believe it just because they told you that? Are you actually a detective or do you just believe every single fucking thing somebody tells you? Yeah, I think that was a fun point because they do have these little slivers where it cuts into reality. That's one of them, too. Like and and he there's certain points, too, where he questions himself on like he has one line that's pretty poignant, actually. That's like really pointed inwards, you know, like um What's the fucking line? Yeah, he says, it's difficult to accept the difference between who you are in your head and who you are in the world. He says that at, at some point later on in, at, in the film. And, um, you know, he's he's got this, this like diluted, self-inflated sense of like I can solve anything, any case or whatever. Yeah. And he's 32 and it's like, how's that working out for you now? You know, he's finally coming to grips with and he's just like a broken person. but. Yeah, like that scene emphasizes it kind of leans into that a little bit like like when someone bows up against him and and he and the shit that he would spew or or would work when he was a kid, it's like that's not that's going to going to fly in in this murder investigation fucko. Um one part I think I took a nap during this part and it had been like a year. <laughs> I took like a 15 minute cat nap. Um and then continued watching, but the, the tiger girl, like this part was a little, I was a little off the rails on. It, it just, it honestly, that would probably be the best time to take a nap. Cause it didn't really seem that relevant. Yeah. It's um, kind of like I a mean, micro red herring that they throw in there. Yeah. Because she's, she's explaining that like, Oh, this, the, the nerds were taken advantage of by the drug dealers to put it in their locker, blah, blah, blah. So, oh I mean, yeah, because yeah. they were cracking down at the school by putting like codes or something, and they were targeting like uh, the shit bags of the school, so they could yeah go they, were, they were tossing lockers at will, and so they just decided to start running the drugs through the good kids' lockers for right. obvious reasons. But yeah, her little subplot thing, I think it didn't add much, but just a little extra depth. There was, um, I think, I think where we left off was, um, yeah, because like that, that part was so inconsequential to me. I didn't even make a note of it, mm -hmm. but I think at this point, after they talk to the parents, they go to see, or he goes to see the principal. And I don't know why this was one of my favorite parts of the entire thing. When he walks into the principal's office, he's like, oh, hey, Abe. And then the presumably a hundred year old secretary buzzes in and it's like, a man just walked into your office. <laughs> and he's like, yes, thank you. I know. <laughs> She's just got a permanent like 45 second delay. Yeah. I don't know why that, that part just tickled me so much. A man is... just walked into your office. Uh, he's right here. Thank uh, you. Did you have any suspicions about this guy at any point prior to the reveal? The principal? No. Um, he just seemed did like, a pretty good job. I feel of like kind of disguising him in the plot in the, so you didn't have eyes on him. Yeah. And I will say on the second watch, I was kind of watching, but also watching the misses to see, cause she, she's usually really good about picking up on stuff early and ruining mm -hmm. the movie for both of us when we haven't seen it yet. <laughs> so I was waiting for her to, to sniff something out, but uh, she didn't. And 
all, all I, all I was really gathering about the principal is like, this guy is just pathetic, you know, because yeah. when he's like, they just don't respect me and what can you do? And I mean, I don't disagree with him. I feel like that's just kind of how kids are these days. They don't really respect authority. So I was like, yeah, I feel you. Sorry. That sucks. Yeah. So it was a, it was a good like diversion. Yeah. I, and speaking of that too, like towards the end, now that I, I think about it, it's like that when they're at the very end, when they're talking to one another in the principal's house, yeah, uh, they're there. I think there's a realization that like they're mirror kind yeah. of mirrors of themselves of each other. They just went kind of, they branched a different way, but like given, you know, some other, you know, rolls of the dice and things that happen here and there, like it could have turned Abe the wrong way too, you know, like, like the wrong side of right. Kind of like maybe that would have made him come become like an even more unscrupulous character. But beyond that too, it's like, like the lack of respect. Cause you show, it yeah. shows like in the montage at the beginning, like everyone's like, Hey, Hey, babe, what's going on? The fucking barber. And like, they make a point to like mirror that later on when he's like 32 and he goes up and he sees the fucking barber and he like looks at him. The barber scowls at him. And yeah. then he goes to get his free ice cream before he's like, Oh, here you go. And it's like, you're still cashing this in 20 fucking years later. Here's your fucking ice cream. Like just everyone thinks he's just like a piece of shit, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> or they feel bad for him. He's like, it's like, ugh. yeah, but, but like the principal is saying they don't respect him. Right. Like, no, just matter, like no matter how, how much good he does. Right. They don't and respect then just, you. Which- just how the pr- the principal's going through it, like dealing with all these kids, and he he seems pretty broken, especially in that last scene too. Like, almost like did he did he do this to like because he was over it and he wanted to like like he had a guilty conscience or something? Well, I was wondering. Well, hang, hang on, hang on. Before, before we, get, we there, get there, this is uh, this might be one of my absolute favorite like five or ten minutes of the movie where. He breaks back into Calvin's house. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> and he's looking through his computer. He And this is also a good diversion because yeah. he, he finds like the love note. Like, oh, maybe this guy had the motive. Um, then he comes in. He has to hide in the closet. Finally leaves. Goes to leave. Uh, Calvin's annoying sister goes to pee. He hides in her closet. And then the scene where this like five minute period where he's hiding in the closet and the sister's mom comes in to say goodnight. She's like, I think there's somebody in my closet. And just, (laughs) just the look on his face, like, Oh fuck. And then the mom is like, come on, we've talked about it. Monsters aren't real. And, and she's, she, then the daughter's like, okay. And it does call back to the beginning where they talk about hiding in the closet and then sneezing, giving away your position. But when he right. was a kid, it was laughable. Like, oh, Herb, look at this kid. This is so adorable. But in this case, he sneezes. Now he's in jail. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the police chief. And so he has he has the funny little chat with him about whatever. And But my favorite part is when uh, the secretary, he, goes, he goes back the to his office. Secretary. secretary Lucy, who, fun fact about her, do you know what I'm about to tell you? No. Oh, you strap your dick on. So, Secretary Lucy, her name is 
Sarah Sutherland, daughter of Kiefer. Whoa. Yeah. Damn. That's crazy. Yep. I would never have guessed that. And I, I'm trying to look now. I, I guess I can maybe see I, a little I, bit. Maybe the I don't eyes see one personally, but and like how straight her face is. She's got a very like, I don't know. Yeah, I would never have called that. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So he goes into his office and she's like, <laughs> there's an article about him in the paper. How? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they said they caught you masturbating in her closet. He's just like, I wasn't masturbating. I wasn't masturbating. Yeah. <laughs> like, I believe you. <laughs> Wasn't there some point? I think it comes up to shortly thereafter. Someone calls him like, well, now you're known as the town pedophile or whatever. Like someone, I think that maybe that's in my head. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, and I was like, that kind of just falls to the wayside. Like he doesn't, nothing really bad happens to him because of that. But uh, which I guess probably would have derailed the, the movie because I feel like if, a 32 year old man was supposedly masturbating in a girl's closet and they find him in there that like that would have, that would have fucked with him a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, the, the police chief was basically like, I'm going to do everything oh, I can that's to prevent right. you. But then again, I mean, it's, it's the media. That's all they do is just lie with impunity. Yeah. And so, yeah, but yeah, in a small town like that too, like seeing that in the paper, like I I feel like that'd be pretty tough to overcome. Well, if if it hadn't come to such a quick resolution after the fact, that's I think also it, true. it probably would have tarnished him forever. But yeah, if you can it, spin it is it definitely after swallowed fact, up like, by like a, a tsunami of positive shit immediately following that. That's a good yeah. point. Um so after that, he's like real down in the dumps. And then, but what my thing was, where did he find, did Caroline be like, Oh yeah, I found this, the flower. Yeah. She was talking about the how rose. Patrick would leave those flowers in her locker all the time. And then after he died, she found another one and he's like, Oh shit. Maybe this is from that's right. The actual killer or a separate secret admirer. And then at some point he like disassembles the origami and recognizes the pattern. And that's when he goes back to his dad's house. That's right. Yeah. Starts digging through. What's her name? It was Gracie. Gracie. I think Gracie Gulliver. Yeah. The, the, so the gal that they tease at the beginning who disappeared that he couldn't help on the case. And like, this is is like the bane of his existence is, not being able to help or find it, it triggers something back in his days. And he got, he has like a whole file with like, it looked like a, like a police file box, you know, of yeah, all the shit he like starts going through 10 it. bankers boxes based on yeah. the year. <laughs> but even, even when he finds the, the similar origami fold pattern, uh, I, I feel like they did such a good job because even then it's like, okay, well, what does this mean? Like, is this the right. same, person who's the killer or is it the same because i didn't guess that it was made by the victim i just assumed 
it was either the principal who was killing both. Yeah, or me too. A different serial killer who was killing both. I feel like mm-hmm. they did a really good job of kind of hiding, hiding the the story until, you know, the very end. Right. And then, so then at some point he's in the sorry. bar. And, yes. and we we kind of glossed over early on. He's in the bar and they're like, hey, just so you know, Roy Beans is outside. And he's like, I'm going to stay. And they're like, no one's going to think you're a bitch if you leave. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to leave. And cut to him just getting the shit kicked out of him. In the yeah. This fucking street fight, just getting bodied. Yeah. So this was, this was one of the only, the parts where I was like, this is kind of dumb. Where he's in the bar late in the movie. And they're like, oh, yeah, Rory, he's mad at me because I, I I, told on him for stealing. And the bartender's like, what do you mean? He didn't do it. Like, how did this not come up over the last 20 years? Yeah. Of this guy frequenting this bar, them knowing the, the strife between the two. It's like, wait, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah, he, he didn't do it, dude. So Yeah, if, if you really examine <laughs> that, that is, that is a, a definitely a knock, a very convenient thing to have happen it's i think it's i think it's the only like plot point that really just like stunk to me like Mm -hmm. uh this seems kind of forced or just too convenient but right yeah so then he takes that bit of info mixed with the matching origami paper and they don't tell you what he's thinking right away right so then he goes that's why when you said I watched this a second time immediately, I was like, if there were any, if there were a kind or, or a movie, this would be the one that would benefit from like, because it is so convoluted and they, like they, they hide everything. They shield you from like, it, it, they don't telegraph anything. So just knowing that, Oh, okay. And having that f- fresh, because when I watched it this time, like I, I had only seen it once before, right around when it came out, like 2021, maybe 2022. And I had forgotten a lot of like the intricacies. Like I remember a couple of the main points, but like, I, I forgot like the whole backstory with like Caroline and, and her connection to the principal. And that even that the principal, I was like, was it this old guy or was it the principal? So, um, yeah, that would be good. Like a, a good one to like watch this a second time to, to, get the most out of it uh or get more out of it anyway but yeah i do like how they they because you're like oh why is he going and then it's only after you realize oh because he knew at that point like he he knew something that the film wasn't sharing with us yeah because at one point caroline they were out together doing whatever they're doing and she's like sleuthing yeah exactly and I think he asks her to like miss school the next day or something. And yeah, he's like, it's not safe. You need to no. You need to bail tomorrow. No, uh, prior to this, this is one of the early little, little hints. Early on, she said, um, or he's trying to get her to skip school or or do something, and she's like, I can't because if I miss school, the principal calls my house anytime. Yes. Yeah, and it's and like, at the wait, time I was why? like, damn, that is kind of an overbearing principle. But then in hindsight, you're like, oh, that makes a lot more sense then. Yeah, and it's like he's not doing that for every fucking kid in school, you know? Like, yeah. 
it's weird how it should be a red flag, but when you just like hear it on its face, it's like you just you just roll with it, you know. But it's yeah, having it, that bit of context; that it makes it jump out like a fucking. Well, then, in even even in it towards the end, if what you're thinking is she is his next victim, that also coincides with that. Like, oh yeah, he's keeping an eye on her, you mm-hmm. know. So so there's nothing too explicit. That gives away the ultimate. Yeah, ending. like the, the full, the full Monty of what's going on. Yeah, I, th- I think that's why I kind of liked it so much. Like everything yeah, makes sense. Sol- it's like solving the yeah, solving the murder of Patrick Chung, who is really incidental in all of this. Like we don't get to know him. The film make doesn't make any links to like see his side of the story. He's just kind of a function of the plot, but t- that goes back to Gracie Gulliver, which, and then it ties into this whole with who Caroline is as this kind of interloper. It's, it's, it's neat how it, it's, it zips all those up, you know, but it doesn't, you think it's just one thing, you know, like, Oh, he's trying to solve this murder. And then it brings it back around and it's got this, this side thing going on. I I really like that too. Um, yeah. Is that it where we get to, so we're right. We're to the confrontation. So he, when he sneaks into the principal's house, yes. Looking for something corroboration or looking for ostensibly another piece of paper the rose or something well at this point we don't know what he's looking for we just know that's where he's going and so that's when he he breaks into the little lockbox and you find the the naked picture with the tiger yeah and even at this point you don't know why yeah even even a second time watching it so far removed i was like wait okay i know that's that's not good but why yeah, because you could go one of many directions. Like, oh, he took that from Patrick's locker because um, he was running drugs. They didn't want any association with the gal who probably hooked him up with the drug dealer or whatever. You know, you don't know. But then, <laughs> yeah, he leaves the fucking paperclip on the ground and principal comes in and he knew right away. <laughs> it's like Abe I know you're in the closet <laughs> yeah he's like uh, I'm actually under the bed yeah because he almost went to the closet but yep. you can have a Diet Coke or a Coca-Cola that's what Mahatma Gandhi said he said you could have Diet Coke but why <laughs> yeah so then they sit down for the face to face sort of final confrontation which I liked this kind of standoff. It it made me think of like, uh, kind of like, uh, no country for old men. Like when Woody Harrelson's having his final little chat with, uh, what's his fuck. It's like very tense. Like you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Is he going to pull out a gun and, uh, you got me. Or is he going to stab him? Like, but yeah, I like the build like between them and the realization, like the understanding of like the principal, like talking to him on, Oh, he knows this. And like there, that whole back and forth dance of the mind is pretty fun. Well, yeah, because when, when it first starts, it's like, okay, this could go no other way than the principal trying to kill him to get away. 
But as they start talking, it's like, is it possible there's like a reasonable explanation for all of this? And then it, it just slowly becomes clear that no, there's not. Yeah. And that's another part of the mirroring too. You can see like he, he, it looks, that's what made me think this time when I was watching, I was like, did he, did he do this because he was like sick of it and wanted to get caught? Like maybe not, but I don't know. He just seems like real broken and like tired and like, because to me, like the reason I was curious what your take was on the reason that he killed Patrick Chung. Was it like something like some weird, like he wanted to keep Caroline pure, like he's watching her and like, he thought like this was a bad influence or something. Or what do you, what do you think his motive? Cause I don't think it's stated like, this is why I killed him or anything that you can infer. Um, well, well, now I'm not exactly sure because I thought it was pretty obvious that when he found the picture in Patrick's locker, he thought that was Caroline. And he thought that this fucking guy has destroyed, oh. like, tarnished my pure daughter. So now I okay. need to kill him. And then that's why when he's like, oh, by the way, that's not Caroline. That's the little uh, slut. Whatever. Oh, he's like, and then he has Are that. Sure? Was... Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sure. That okay. That's the that's the read. Then that makes way more. That I mean, it helps the the movie and me really take that because at the end of this one, I was like, wait, what? But what was the impetus for taking out? So I just I generalized it like, oh, he's doesn't want, doesn't like this kid going out with her I mean, or just I, I something as simple as that. But but that makes way more sense actually because it ties both of those parts, like him reacting to it also like makes sense and then it makes it makes more sense not a justification but it makes sense for his motive more i guess to do that but at any rate yeah so and then um dude and then so the principal get, knows he's got him dead to rights but like the really creepy part is when he starts asking the principal about Gracie Mm -hmm. And he's like, she used to come to my office, show me her outfits. And I don't know. It's like a weird, it's like a really weird glimpse into how yeah. something like this could actually happen. Yeah. And then he tells him like, she didn't last long after we gave our daughter away. And then yeah, that's when, like, yeah, that's when everything sort of comes together and. I don't know. I just thought they did such a really good job of holding everything back long enough and yeah. then releasing it slowly enough to where you can understand it. And then that big holy shit moment. Mm -hmm. And then there, there's obviously another holy shit moment in a, in a minute, but or two holy shit moments in a minute. Yeah. It hits you like, like, like a, a two piece and a Coke, just like pop, 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 like, Oh, because I completely forgot this whole other rug pull side plot ending wrap up with um, Gracie and like still being alive. I completely fucking forgot that. I was like, oh, shit. I thought 
I thought he just killed her and she was dead. And it's like, oh, no, that's where Caroline comes from. And that's why, like, earlier on, like, when she's like, yeah, my parents, they both died in a downhill skiing accident. <laughs> and she has, like, a – here's a picture of them. And it looks like a stock, like, yes. like an action sports early yeah. 90s, like, heavily <laughs> neon. Like, like they're trying to sell skiing, like, as the next big thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. These are it my looked parents. like a Ray-Ban ad or something. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And he even said, like, wow, they're very photogenic. Said, yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, yeah, no shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of morbid, but. Um, yeah, yeah, so so when, when they get to the ultimate confrontation, the principal. And he gets, mirrors him too. He says it again. He's like, well, maybe we'll show, uh, we'll show people uh, what we were capable, what we were actually capable of. You know, both you and me, like he, you're actually finally able to fucking crack a case. Like you're legitimate. You d- and he's like, and I was able to fuck it. I was, no one suspected me, you know, and I was able to fucking kill people and, and, and had this hid this woman right under the town's nose for fucking 20 years. And no one knew. Yeah. If, if you're still listening and even you haven't watched the movie, <laughs> fuck, you're missing out. Just go watch it. Cause there, yeah. there's so many little things that I, I feel like we're missing out on, but because he he pulls the knife out, and Abe's like, "I'm not afraid of you." And he just goes, "Elliot Smith, stab yeah. yourself in the heart twice." Yeah, that was no hesitation, no hesitation marks on that one. That was like right, and and that was like I know movies and stuff. They always get like where the heart is wrong, and it looked like he was going straight for it, like. You know, I think people think the heart is like up in the chest, like just to the left of your like your sternum, but it's like lower actually, like it's more in your like your midsection kind of. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a lot lower down. Guess I'll have to keep that in mind when you stab yourself in the heart. Yep. (laughs) Man, right now would be good to have like a shot through the heart. And you're too late, darling, you give love. I'm 25, dickhead, and that's a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty brutal, doing the uh, American Harry Carey right into his fucking heart twice. Ugh. And there's like a mini jump scare. He's like, ugh. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then he actually dies, but... Yeah, that part was wild. I wasn't expecting that. But then, yeah, when he makes he saunters his way out into the backyard. Can I stop like, you real quick? Yeah. I mean, even just the dialogue in that in that final confrontation where they're both sitting in the, the kit, it's so fucking good. It reminds yeah. me of I know I know people are gonna give me shit, but uh the equalizer in the first one, where it's the scene between uh Denzel and the Russian guy who gets sent to the U.S. Yes. to kill him. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his. I can't remember his name. I can't either. But when he kills, uh, they they send the guy to the bathroom, and he comes to the to the table with the broken glasses and and puts it in. He's like, he won't be returning. And then they had that great conversation about, <laughs> like, he was the kid who was adopted by, whatever. Just. Just watch yeah. that part, if you know what I'm talking about. 
Yeah. Great dialogue. Along the same lines, probably Chris would say too, or I think John, his favorite scene when Al Pacino and De Niro are talking in heat in the coffee shop. Yeah. Not to like loft it up that, that high, you know, um, or, or degrade by comparing to heat, but it's, it's like that, like those real like character driven, like back and forth and it's like tight and tense and it's just really well done. Teddy is the guy in the equalizer I'm thinking of. Teddy. Lugnut fixed it. <laughs> oh, just had an apostrophe. Um sorry, but then you you had mentioned What is this is I couldn't get a good glimpse at it. It was it's like a it looks like a, a she shed or like a like a garden shed. Like not quite a trailer, but like some little domicile that's in his backyard. Well, just a shed. It's it's such a good reveal. Yeah. Because after he dies twice, he goes to the fridge to grab a beer and he sees all the grape soda, which he remembers from. Yes, because he used to. Yeah, because this gal. Gracie Gulliver was his secretary and he's like, and I paid her in pop or I paid her in soda. And it does show her she like she's sucking down and she has like three empty, the same pop bottles on her desk in the, in the beginning montage. Yeah. So that gives you a big like shiver of like, Oh fuck, she's around here somewhere. And then yeah. that's when he looks out back and he sees the she shed as you call it. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was the response to uh Man Cave as Chris uh affectionately recalls. Um Yeah, and that reveal is brutal too, because she's just like fucking run down and like so we get this snapshot. He opens the door and it's poor Gracie Gulliver twenty years later, and she's like, you know, making those rose things out of the, the index cards or whatever there was, those were right then. And then it kind of pans around and they're all over the little, the shed and, and she, it looks like some of her hair is falling out. She looks in like she's in a, a, a bad state. Um, and then, yeah, he makes a couple calls and then, um, is it that, is it, it was very it's sweet that because point. it was it was her mom who lost the cat. So when right, she made yeah, the call, she's like, "Yes, did you find my cat?" He's like, "I found her." He's like, "My cat's a boy. I found her." I I will say, maybe it's just because I'm I'm a dark, evil soul. I like that they didn't have like a scene later where Gracie was like, "Thank you so much for finding me, old yes. friend." You know, because it's so unbelievable. Like. She is fucked mentally for the rest of her yeah. life forever. Yeah. So I thought it would have been pretty cheap if she's like, thanks, Abe. Can't wait to drink more grape soda and get, get back to solving cases. Yeah. It was very, uh, a somber tone when he sees her and like, they lock eyes and you can see like immediately like, yeah, she's damaged, you know, like this is, this is taking a super heavy like mental toll and like yeah it's not gonna be all flowers and like sunshine and like i'm really glad that they didn't do that either because they could have just made it the super happy ending kind of thing but i mean (laughs) 
I don't think they would have done that based on the way this does end, which I, I forgot. I, I remembered right when it started happening, but I didn't remember it like going into this, like, oh, this is, I, I remember he, he starts crying at the end, but, um, oh yeah, like that whole part too, kind of throws you through a loop, but so, and it's, a, and it's at this point too, it's not stated, but it's like inferred by you, the viewer that, um, so Caroline, who he's been palling around with this whole time, uh, trying to solve the murder case of her boyfriend, she is the spawn, the offspring of killer principal and uh, Gracie Gulliver, who's been he's had locked up for 20 years. Um, one thing, I don't know if I slept through this part or I fucking just glazed it, but I think there's a point where Caroline comes back and they do their like debrief. Her and Abe. Yeah. Um, I totally missed the boat on, uh, like, does she talk more or was she hiding something about her parentage? Like, did she know or have an inkling or? No, no. She, he asks her, um, oh, has she reached out to you? And she's like, no. And then she's, (laughs) he's like, how are your grandparents dealing with it and they're like uh and and she's like they're just confused and old they thought they thought they got a gift from jesus not uh the offspring of a pedophile rapist yeah okay (laughs) yeah for a second like i i i like i like spaced out and i was watching i was like oh wait did i miss something right there but okay so yeah, Abe's like the the apple of the town's eye again. I thought this was a fun and interesting kind of uh dichotomy or or like like it all coming full circle, times a flat circle, whatever the fuck. Like after he cracks his case, like he's he's it's alluded to, he's in magazines, it's it's in the news and everything, and it shows him making that walk again that he does like down down Main Street, you know, and he sees the barber the barber again he's like hey abe you know just like when he was fucking 12 you know and like but i like though that he doesn't eat into it like he's learned his lesson like he still looks kind of broken like just like who he was like he just kind of shrugs it off you know like he he isn't letting this go to his head which is even i mean (laughs) they they further beat that into our heads with the actual with the final ending of this but uh so then it shows him like uh at his apartment now he's kicked out his roommate he doesn't require a roommate anymore like there's people in his his office waiting area like adults this time like so he's going to be like a private investigator he's like going to clean up his act he's hired a cleaning lady it looks nice his parents come over and um they're just what's what's next and like oh they're they're visibly much happier like the mom was but it seems like really sincere now and the dad's like actually like oh way to go son you know like and then he's like yeah it's good or whatever and then he's kind of quiet and he just starts fucking crying like full-on like hurt soul like (laughs) really getting it and this one I, i it's hard to say that did you see this one coming but or you think about like fuck I wouldn't have pictured 
like what, them going that kind of direction, but it kind of really seals the deal like that uh like this guy's mindset and like the shit that he's just had to go on, go through and and figure out all these years and come to grips with himself and like was this redemption by cracking this case like did it give him what he thought it was going to give him no clearly not like yeah. and then it's just title card the kid detective and it, yeah. and it ends on this kind of music <laughs> like the way they <laughs> stitched it all together it's just it's a weird little movie yeah in in the moments after he starts crying and the then the credits come up i was like fuck i don't like that ending but then like a minute 10 minutes later it's like fuck i do really like it <laughs> and then watching it the second time it's like yeah of course of course he's gonna be like a wreck after yeah. all that i mean yeah. you can't be happy about anything that just happened yeah even though you you must be like satisfied at a certain level but you can't be happy so right how do you reconcile you those it. two things where you're bummed you're pissed off you just watched a guy fucking kill himself in front of you twice gracie is alive but dead and catatonic catatonic mm-hmm. yeah so i i actually like the ending after upon further review yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I didn't really know what to, I was like, how am I supposed to feel right now? Like I didn't know how to really take it like good or bad, uh, like the final ending, but yeah, I've come around to like the idea of it just, it works perfectly and it, it matches kind of the tonally the rest of the movie. If you take it as, uh, as a whole, um, yeah, this is a fun little kind of quirky. I've heard it called neo noir, and like you know, I mean, it do, it definitely has those kinds of tropes by virtue of being a, a kid detective, a private investigator, like uh, like a, a Philip Marlowe, kids on bikes kind of mishmash, dark humor. Um, but yeah, I like how they keep it real, but they don't go like they don't go too funny like with the like the the comedic like they don't get into like slapstick or like um you know like beating it down or beating you over the head with it and then the dark stuff too while very dark and like you know you're like whoa it makes you take notice they don't they don't go too far in that direction either i feel like it's a it's a really good balance um you got any final thoughts or is there anything that we glossed over um, I don't think so, but I would I would say that top ten for sure of the ones we've watched. Really nice. Oh yeah. Speaking of which, maybe I've been on a maybe top here. five. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Nice. Maybe it's because I'm a sick bitch and I like the uh, <laughs> the confluence of super dark and comedic. All right, so what's that done for us? I've been on a I've been on a hot streak. I th I think I started out with a dud for the spooky Halloween season, but it it's been it's been coming up G since then. <laughs> so now that that puts us up back to an eighty six point nine, okay. nice. Uh, yeah, 
We're on a seven seven game winning streak coming back from the thing. So cool. Yeah, Kid Detective's a winner. Um yeah, I feel like it's it deserves more praise, a little bit more buzz. People should people should check it out for sure. Uh I was pleasantly surprised by Adam Brody. I, I'm a little bit more familiar with him, I think, than you are. He was in Scream Four. He didn't have like any role. He was the cop opposite opposite um Anthony Anderson. I don't remember that at all. He get he gets stabbed in the back. Really like it's just like a throwaway. It's a real it was a weird cameo. It felt like a cameo, but it wasn't. Hmm. But um he was also in Jennifer's Body, uh, which is really good flick uh that i came i've come around to um that he has a he has a larger role in that that's pretty fun but yeah i I thought he was like he was like on another level in this flick and like you said i don't i can't really picture anyone else like nailing this maybe like a ryan gosling but I, i think he's probably too old Someone with like a really like that kind of expression on their face, you know, that that you could buy being broken. I don't know. Um, I also like to Rory Beans and the Red Shoe Gang, like that. (laughs) (laughs) That definitely too was hitting on the my uh, Encyclopedia Brown Spidey sense. Um, Cool. Uh, I haven't gotten any, we don't have any mail. Um, I forgot to fucking say it while we were recording, but we were just on, um, Ghoulish University's season three finale, uh, the episode titled yellow, uh, available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we were on there, um, might have a couple things brewing towards the end of the month that we haven't even talked about, but, um, Next week, I don't know what we're doing either. We're kind of playing fast and loose with November and Thanksgiving coming up. So um, I think next week will be another mystery episode. We'll just we'll just find out. I'll try to plug it on uh, socials beforehand. But uh, have you seen The Kid Detective? Uh, hate mail. What do you got on your mind? Uh, send it to us. Email is wax at waxing the porpoise.com or you can reach out to us on either of our socials instagram is at waxing the porpoise twitter x is at waxing the porp um yeah good deal kid detective it's a winner we'll see you when we see you we'll see you later <laughs>